Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. This is episode 28. I'm joined with my co-host, Alicia. This is Chris Walker. Alicia, how are you doing this afternoon or evening, I should say? I'm actually doing really well. I'm just a little bit tired and I got fully vaccinated on Monday. So that second dose kind of took a toll on me. Oh, damn. Hang on. Let's start over. Okay, because I said afternoon. What the hell? Okay, where? Okay, here we go. All right, that's stupid. All right, take three. Welcome to another episode of Seek and... Shit. (laughs) All right, all right, take four. It's funny because she's going to be sitting in the living room editing this round. All right, all right, here we go, take four. Welcome to another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast, episode number 28. And Alicia is back from vacation. Uh, So we are doing this recording on uh, late Thursday night. Alicia, welcome back to the show after being a week off. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's something that I kind of needed. I needed to, you know, kind of lay back and kind of forget what was going on around in the world and, you know, just take a break from work and, you know, just hang out with friends. Right on. And I'm your host, Chris Walker, as always. Um, yeah, you know, welcome back. I, I definitely am doing well as, as, as also, um, I can barely talk. It was a crazy podcast day today, definitely laying down some different episodes and kind of guesting on another one. And so I am just happy to be on this episode recording with you and talking about New Mexico United content, which is what we do. Yep, that's exactly what we do. And um, Chris, what have you been up to lately? Lately for me, um, just really just checking out some new things. Um, You know, I was going to tell you about this the last week, but I really got into watching NASCAR lately. Um, I watched the Bristol uh, race about two weeks ago. And actually tomorrow on Friday, I'm going to be watching the Martinsville race. Uh, So just kind of something new, you know, just checking it out, kind of seeing if I can get into it. Nice. Yeah, I haven't really been watching anything, but there are some new movies that are coming out. And what do you what do you know about that? Uh, Well, I know that I've seen the preview for Mortal Kombat. This is like almost like what the third rendition of the movie, I think. I think so. Yes. Um, so just kind of looking at that preview, it looks pretty rad. I mean, it's definitely very gory. It looks a little bit truer to the characters. Um, have you caught that preview at all? Yeah, I have. It looks great. Like I love the Mortal Kombat video game. So it just gets me excited. And I hope that, you know, the movie does <laughs> kind of live up to the storyline of the video game, because if it does, it's going to be great and i heard there is going to be 
you know, like the fatalities in there. So I'm really excited to see it. Now I know the next preview I was gonna br- that we we're gonna bring up, um, Spiral, a book of Saw. I feel like this is like a movie down your alley because you're like a really big scary movie horror movie kind of fan. So um, have you seen the preview for that? And what do you think about it? Yeah, I have actually. Last year, they well was it last year yes last year before we shut down i went to go see the invisible man and they had the preview for spiral for it to premiere last year of october but you know things got delayed so i'm really excited for that i love horror movies the like everything i go to halloween horror nights haunted houses i we, I even collect the little figures, and I love anything that has to do with the horror franchise. And when it comes to Saw, it's a classic because you have to watch all of the movies. Super long, I know, but just when you watch it, like everything starts clicking and connecting, and it reminds me of the MCU. Now, this is something I've always wondered about you because I know that, like, I think for Halloween last year, you dressed up as Pennywise. Yes, I did. <laughs> And, and I've always wondered this about you, like, so you have this insane, like, love for horror movies. Like, what is it about a horror movie that makes the cut for you? And, like, are there any horror movies that you've seen where you were like, uh, this almost lived up to it, but then it was too cheesy to really be something that you would watch again? about horror movies you know something that gets me is like the suspense or the mystery like what's going on and you know it's like when you see in those movies and they're making fun of like the movie they're watching in the movie like oh well the girl's gonna trip and this and that and it's like it's like that it's seeing to me like predicting what's gonna happen next and sometimes you know i'm wrong and i'm like whoa like i didn't expect that to happen but if we're talking about movies that didn't live up to the hype, I'm sorry to whoever likes this, but it's The Conjuring. I watched it like three times. I couldn't get into it, and it's just not up my alley. It's cool that it's based on true events, and I still watch it, but it's just something that could have been done better. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I had always wondered. I was like, man, Alicia just loves it. Like, I... I just can't get into watching horror movies because for some reason, like it affects my sleep. I just, I don't, I just can't find any joy in like freaking myself out in theaters. And um, the last time I remember, I think jumping in a movie theater was when I watched um, it too. And I feel like the reason why I was just so jumpy watching it too was because it was like an excessive amount of killing. Like it was just, <laughs> It was just really gory, and I was like, man, they really overdid it with this movie, and, you know, and and then throw that into, like, falling asleep in the theater, and someone, like, going, hey, sir, hey, sir, and I'm like, oh, and they're like, they're like, my, see, my Siri just went off, um, and they're like, uh, you fell asleep in the movie theater, and I'm like, all right, cool, thanks. And I like felt <laughs> and like went back to sleep. It was the hilarious thing. I'm like, I'm in a theater dropping fifteen dollars to fall asleep. It's it's crazy, but yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm just not really. I just can't 
I can't get down like that. I got to have the lights on or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, when it comes down to it, there's some that I'm kind of like, uh, about like paranormal activities. I don't like those at all. They're not scary. It's kind of, it's kind of funny to me, those movies. And, you know, it's like where like the classics are, like the exorcist and stuff like that. The old, um, it, and even the new one, I really like it. I know a lot of people don't, but it's just how they portrayed the character in a more modern version to still make it creepy, but make it different. And you still, when you look at it, you know exactly who it is. And that is what, how I like when they try to portray the characters. Like the new, the new Chucky, um, Child's Play, that... It's, it's a decent movie, not great like the other ones, but I can see what they're trying to do because the doll is still a bit weird, but I feel like they could have done better. Yeah. So, so you know, listeners, if you if you're if you're kind of into scary movies, you want to know if your movie choice is holding up to par, just <laughs> just tweet at exclusive underscore Alicia. And she can uh, let you know if uh, if it's scary enough, if it meets her rating. Um, so then next, really in the in the preview line, uh, Kong versus Godzilla. Like I know that just drops like what last week, and I was really trying to watch it this weekend. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't, and I've been meaning to watch it, but I just keep forgetting. And I've like been scrolling past the spoilers because I don't want to to ruin anything, but. I'm still kind of like, oh my gosh! I hope is it it's good as it as it looked. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I'm hoping that it will be. I, I remember when uh, when Godzilla first came out, and I thought, dude, this is so sick. Like, I kind of got on my my high horse, and I was like, I gotta go buy the the Godzilla action figure because this thing looks so sick. And then Kong came out, and it was dope too. And then of course they showed the other creatures in the movies, so. I'm just hoping it's going to be rad, you know what I mean? And uh, I know there's, I guess, you know, spoiler alert, I guess Mechagodzilla is up in there. So I'm like, ooh, like, I got to see this, you know what I mean? So um, so kind of moving on from, from movies that are coming out, which is cool. Um, offline, we were kind of chatting about something. I was telling you, I had tagged you on, on a video on Facebook. Um, and it's like those influencer videos um, and this one in particular, um, the the subject was you're eating a hot dog raw. So, <laughs> so I watched this video um, in full, and I just thought, wow, you know what? We need to talk about this on the podcast because, you know, hot dogs are like a tailgate kind of food. And as we're getting into the new season for USL, I needed to know if maybe I needed to check myself on how i eat hot dogs according to this video so in watching this video and and i guess if you want to kind of break out a premise of it but so this this gal she's basically like you're eating hot dogs wrong so she has a waffle maker in the kitchen and if you're familiar with the facebook videos where the woman is like let me show you how to make nachos and then she proceeds to smear the cheese all over her kitchen counter and drop a bunch of toppings in with her hand and it's just really grimy this is like along those same lines if you have a weak stomach i'm sorry but this is too funny to pass up so she takes her waffle maker now mind you when i have a waffle maker i try to spray it with like some non non-stick oil 
or something whenever I'm sticking batter in there so that my waffle doesn't break down. She takes three hot dogs and puts them on a waffle maker. So then nextly, she goes, oh, you can't forget ketchup. You got to have ketchup. So she like goes and squirts the ketchup in the crease between the bun and the hot dog. And Alicia, the first thing I thought to myself was, why didn't you do this before you put them in the in the waffle maker? Like, what exactly was the difference putting ketchup in the hot dog in the waffle maker versus holding it in your hand? Yeah, no, I don't get that either. And, it's, and watching the video, it just gets worse with the relish. She starts, uh, she opens the jar of relish. Mind you, she's not wearing gloves, not has no utensil around her and just sticks her fingers in the relish and grabs a handful and starts putting it on the hot dog. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And then to top it off, she does not wipe her hand and she closes the waffle maker with the hand she stuck the relish in. <laughs> And then she presses it down. Like, we're, like, totally narrating this for you guys. And she, like, presses down the top of the waffle maker onto this hot dog and just totally holds it. And I'll tell you what, Alicia, like, I don't know about you, but, I mean, if I was giving as much energy as she was giving onto it, I feel like I would have, like, busted my waffle maker. Because she was, like, practically jumping up and down to get a good hold on this, like, waffle maker lid and uh and so she's like pressing it down i mean to the point where i'm thinking is she making a quesadilla like what's going on up in here you know and uh and then the thing about it like you said she didn't wash her hands and then she's holding the handle her hands are still grimy dirty and then she keeps opening it to take a peek at it but then she says oh no you gotta you gotta keep it pressed you gotta you gotta keep the temperature in and and then eventually she opens it up now mind you her per her friend is like the camera person holding the camera and you know and she's like oh my god you're, you're gonna love this and so she opens up the waffle maker and here it is it's like pressed hot dog and i first honestly thought maybe she found a new way to grill hot dogs in her kitchen and i was i was down to try that but then she opens up the waffle maker and it's like pressed hot dog like it literally looks like a waffle hot dog and then she pulls out a piece and she eats it and it's still the same hand that was like that, that she dug her nail up in the in the relish and uh and i just had all kinds of problems like you said with the fact that she didn't like wipe her hand off wash it like and then i was like dude what else are you gonna do up in here and i don't know it, it was just really whack so i just i i felt like i couldn't enjoy this video by myself. I had to share it with my co-host Alicia. And and I mean, did you kind of feel the same way after watching that? Did you kind of feel like like I'm not trying to go to anything at this person's house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. And it kind of reminded me, you know, of those five minute hacks where it's like super dumb, where where one of them was in the five minute hacks where they have like the spoon flipped over and they're trying to get cereal. And like it obviously keeps sliding off because it's not the other side of it. So then they proceed to taking the spoon on the table and hitting it with the mallet instead of turning the spoon around. I'm like, oh my goodness. 
Yeah, these videos will definitely waste your time. The other one that was actually kind of crazy is the same lady, right? But she basically takes three bags of those shareable Skittles, like those really big bags of Skittles, and she pours them in her bathtub. And I'm like, don't eat these, please. Like, just, just after watching the other video, I was like, please don't tell me that you're making dessert in your bathtub. And she takes all these Skittles, pours them in there. She's wearing like a... It's like a white like tank top and white shorts. And then she like sprays this ready whip all over the Skittles in the tub. And then she's like, she's like there, like kneeling down in front of these Skittles. And she's like, like, she's like basically massaging in the ready whip into the Skittles to get it really like kind of like gooey and kind of like really messy. And she like rubs the Skittles on her tank top, like in a swirl as to so like take some of the color of the candy off of and put it on her shirt like as a really cheap way to do tie-dye and then she turns on the tub and she runs the candy underneath the tub like water and all the candy turns white because you know like the flavoring basically came off or whatever or the coating mm -hmm. and so then she like so then it cuts into her basically filling up the bathtub and the the water is like that murky like purpley brown paint water kind of thing and it's basically supposed to be all of the skittles like that tropical flavor the regular red flavor and so she's sitting in the tub with this water to about her neckline and like the dude who's like got the camera you know he covers up her neck and so she basically submerges herself deep into this tub and swirls around in it like as if to do like some sort of hocus pocus magic trick <laughs> <laughs> and then she stands up after like a couple minutes and the whole and the whole tank top is like this rainbow swirled tank top like it was like tie-dyed and it was like magically perfect like it was like the brightest colors you've ever seen like out of skittles and i just thought stop it stop it right now like this is dumb stop it right now this is not real and i started reading the comments and there's like all kinds of people in the comments that are just like, whoa, I'm going to try this. And I'm like, no, you're not going to sit in a bunch of Skittles in your bathtub. Like, this is not, this is not working. Like, this is not real. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand some of the videos on the internet nowadays. It's just like, okay, kind of move on. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, moving on, you said that like last week that you, experienced like murder hornets and i really thought that that was like a mythological creature from one day in the pandemic where they were really destined to keep us in our houses but you said you actually found one so what exactly happened with this albuquerque murder hornet that you found yeah um well it was at work and we took the kids outside and we brought them back inside and i went to the back and i heard screaming so, you know, my instinct was, you know, run to the front to see what's going on. And I ran and like everyone is kind of like ducking down and I'm like, well, like, well, what's going on? And then I see my boss swinging a broom in like at the roof in the midair. And I'm like, what the hell are you trying to hit? <laughs> and next thing I know, I see a huge something literally looks like a small bird in the daycare flying around and i'm like what is that he finally smacks it against the window but it's 
it's not dying. It's still like within the bristles of the broom to where it's like moving and but it can't escape, but it's in there. Like if you catch a fly in your hand and you feel it move, but it can't escape. It was exactly like that in the bristles of the broom. So then we gave him a book and he started smashing it with the book against the broom. Still not dead. And smashed it some more. Managed to break one of its wings, but it's still alive. That sounds like a bad, scary movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then we put it in the jar and... Oh my gosh, it's about, geez, like maybe four four inches big. It was pretty big, and I looked at it, and I kept looking at it, and it looked like a murder hornet because it was too way too big to be a bee and a wasp, and I'm like, this has to be it. And I sent you the picture, Chris, and I'm sure you saw it. And I was just, like, looking at it, and sure enough, it has its stinger at the bottom. The thing is freaking huge, and I don't know how the heck it got into my work, but I was, like, mesmerized by it. Like, I didn't think, like, these things existed. Yeah, it's crazy, like, what kind of things you're going to find in this pandemic, right? Um, Yeah, like, that sounds like a really good segue, black and yellow segue to, to our beloved New Mexico United, um, really just kind of jumping in. Um, we we wanted to kind of, I guess I want to talk to you about preseason. Um, and really, I, I just want to ask you this, this basic question, though, but like, um, what do you think we're learning about United through preseason? Um. I think it has to do with the different formations. I think Troy is kind of still looking to see what kind of clicks with us. We have, you know, most of our squad is still new. And keep in mind, uh, B's left. And it's, I feel like we're trying to work around that specific player leaving, which can be a bit difficult since he was, you know, kind of our MVP last year. And so now we have... um, Illich and we have Swartz and we have Sergio we have Zero we have Cello and we have so many new faces on the team and I think for right now just Troy is trying to find exactly what works and what doesn't right so yeah I was I was kind of noticing I've looked at three of the lineups now through the preseason and and I sent this to you but like it seems like there are some players that are seeing repeat minutes through the matches. And so I kind of wondered if we were seeing a lineup come together and, you know, really wanted to get your your reaction on it, um, whether you felt like those pieces are like the right pieces right now to be in. I mean, obviously, you know, preseason also, though it, it shows us maybe what our how our team is playing, it's really hard to gauge whether or not the results of preseason are going to be a reality um, as far as the actual season goes. But some of the players that have been regular through the three matches, and I, I pointed out, um, so Sandoval has been uh, in all three matches in the start. Um, Josh Suggs, Cello, Juan Pablo Guzman, uh, Austin Yearwood, has been in there. 
And then that's basically, and then of course, uh, Phil Beigel, you know, obviously got his time in the top and I would imagine Tim Bacchus gets it in the second half, but you know, just of those players that I mentioned that have been in all three matches, um, what, what do you think that sort of lineup um, looks like? Like, do you think that's a strong, do you think that's a strong configuration so far? Cause I mean, Troy is still obviously running a three-five-two, even though he told us that he's trying other systems. I mean, we're seeing the same setup coming out. Yeah, no, with that so far kind of coming along, it seems like it's working in the back. You know, we might have kind of given up some goals, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And we're still trying to figure out how to communicate in the back, but... I do what, like what I'm seeing in the midfield with Guzman and Cello because they really do um, control the midfield very well. And I saw that in the game against El Paso. And it's just working. And I feel like Troy is noticing that too. So it's just, you know, kind of building up the the front a little bit. And then kind of looking at some of the other pieces that are interchangeable through the matches. Um Definitely up top with Devin, it's been either Illich or Armando Moreno. And so I feel like he's trying to see, like, you know, if he wants to go with kind of a, a stout, bigger option or if he wants to kind of run maybe Armando as more of a speed option up top. Um, in the mid, like I've seen, like, Sergio Rivas obviously sitting inside, but then Tanari has been in there as well, along with Bruce and Swartz maybe as an interchangeable piece. Um, I mean, I, I know we've talked in, in previous episodes about how we thought, you know, Bruce used to hopefully get more time. And then, of course, they're, you know, now Harry Swartz is kind of in there. And I'm sure they're trying to figure out what's a better look. But, I mean, in your mind, just seeing how Swartz is being used these last two matches on the wing, I mean, what's your impression of what he could bring to a three-five-two lineup? I actually really like him on the wing. Um, he can easily, you know, go up and attack like a wing does, but then also drop back when needed to. And that's what's important about being a wing. Um, I used to play that position and, you know, it's fun to go be the offense and help create chances. But you have to remember that you have to get back and maybe drop down to defense instead of the midfield sometimes because the back line will need that help, especially playing in a 3-5-2 formation. When the other team starts attacking more and getting in your defensive third, you kind of have to drop back a little bit more than you would have to and really help out that back line. And I feel like that is exactly what he is doing, and it's only going to make our back line even stronger. I feel like uh, when they played San Diego Loyal that they may have surpassed my expectation on how they were going to do in that preseason match. I mean, I knew going into that match that San Diego Loyal had not played a full 90 minutes in their two previous two preseason matches. So I thought for sure, you know, there would be a factor in whether or not they were match fit 90 or not. Um, but I was really surprised that United was able to walk away with a 2-1 win. And I'm pretty sure that folks thought that that would go a different way just because of the sort of lineup that San Diego Loyal have. Yeah, and, you know, going into that match, I didn't really pay attention to it, but beforehand, um, knowing how we were kind of doing and, you know, we were still kind of struggling and trying to find 
you know, that kind of chemistry and to pull out a win out of pre, it's only preseason. And, you know, we can't really judge based on preseason, but, you know, as a fan, you kind of start thinking. And with me, it was, you know, oh my gosh, it's San Diego Loyal. I already like, like had it prepared that, you know, we probably might lose this one. And, you know, kind of seeing that come, seeing come out seeing them come out with a win it was surprising to me you know and not in a bad way I'm not and it was just you know like oh okay so like where was this team two matches ago or you know if we still have the same players from last year you know where was this team last year um you know winning games that we shouldn't have lost or tied right yeah exactly I mean you know Knowing that Amanda Moreno and Devin Sandoval scored, I automatically thought that Devin Sandoval probably, and I mean, I haven't seen any footage of the goal, so I don't know exactly how they were scored, but, you know, I'd have to imagine that with the sort of offense that that Troy runs, you know, for Devin to get a goal, it definitely would have to be, you know, maybe like a second ball that was like a rebound, you know, and then for Amando to get his, you know, he'd have to have a, a pretty good lane to kind of be moving through. Um, I guess one of the things I'm thinking about in preseason with the fact that we really haven't put many goals or any, many balls in the net is just through the preseason, is United ultimately developing some sort of chemistry or um, as a team together and, you know, will this manifest into a team that is putting many scores up, you know, on other teams? Because the first season, it seemed like we definitely did score a lot of goals, but at the same time, we weren't very defensively sound and we let in the same amount of goals. But now this last season, we were very defensive and we definitely kept teams from scoring, but we just couldn't seem to get over the hump and score more goals with that sort of um, chokehold on other teams. Yeah. And I hope this season it's, you know, we kind of find our, our mid ground and, you know, and defend and defend well. So we don't let any goals get past us and also be in that attacking mode and score as many as we can. And I know one of these teams you kind of don't like, but they're very good at doing this. It's Phoenix Rising. They have a great defense and, you know, and they score so many goals. And that's because I don't know how they find, you know, that will to keep going and going and going. But that is just something that we need. And they need that motivation because in the past, in these past two years, I've noticed that we die down in the second 45. And it's kind of like, not again. And I don't want to see that this year. And I keep saying that because it's the last 45 that are the most crucial. And that's when you can be winning at the half. But maybe during, you know, that halftime where, you know, they're kind of planning out how to play the 45, the other team can get that mentality and you know come back stronger and it's like well what happened to the team that was playing in the first half this isn't the same team that we're playing and that's when we get knocked down and i don't like that 
Right, yeah. And, you know, something along those lines is like the rest of the mountain division. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, this being preseason, it's really hard to gauge, you know, if the way all the teams are performing right now, um, if that's the way that they're going to be in the se season. But there, there is a couple things that are kind of notable um, right now that I think that, you know, if you're a United fan, you're obviously very, you would be very, you'd be very concerned about this, or these are, these would be maybe questions you'd ask. But I mean, right now it's like, who's looking dangerous in the mountain division? Um, you know, all teams have pretty stacked schedules in preseason, except for a couple. Um, initially, Real Monarchs, they have two matches. Now, the thing with Real Monarchs is that currently, there are no first team players like there are no there are no senior players at camp right now for for real monarchs so it is strictly just the academy kids and they're basically fielding a team with just academy kids so everyone else is up with the first team and basically you know rsl is trying to figure out who's going to make the the roster up there and then who's going to be coming back down now obviously for real monarchs you know you know this isn't as good because you you know the coach isn't working with what he's actually going to have the product on the field the other thing is when you're playing the team which in this case only really sacramento republic and the vancouver whitecaps will be playing them it's like it just wasn't going to be really a good maybe challenge for the teams in their division and the thing that's really concerning, I think, if you're a real Monarchs fan, is that you didn't play any teams in your division in preseason. You played two teams that are not your division, and you didn't even have any of your players, and you're going to kick off a season competitively, and you're already behind the curve on that. And, uh, you know, and to me, like, that that's an issue. But then also the fact that RGV is just barely starting their preseason this week, to me, I think is also an issue. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. And especially, you know, with the Real Monarchs, it seems like it's getting a bit messy down there. And, you know, they just lost one of their best players, uh, Jack Blake, to the, to the Loyal. And I bet you that it's hard because they don't know exactly what they're doing. Maybe at the end of the day, you might see these academy kids as the first team now and no academy. It's just something that you kind of have to wait on. But I mean, time's running out. We have about a month until the games start kicking off. And what are they going to do? A month is not enough time to, you know, kind of just train and get them ready out for the first home game. And, you know, so here's the lineup. You're going to do this, this, and this. Good luck. It's And especially if it's players that haven't played together or they don't really know the coach, it's just something that it's going to get messy, and I hope they figure it out soon. And with I RGV – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Okay. And with RGV, it's just, you know – Maybe it's not as messy, but they are kind of late in the game starting their preseason. And, you know, maybe they're going to pull something out, but, you know, just one just never knows. Yeah, and so I guess if you're really looking at, like, the Mountain West 
or I don't know why I said Mountain West. That's funny. Um, if you're looking at the Mountain Division, um, and you're looking at all the teams like El Paso and San Antonio, RGV, Real Monarchs, Austin Bold, and Colorado Springs, and you're trying to think, okay, which team is more dangerous? Who's got the best schedule? I mean, honestly, if I if I were looking at the preseason schedule, I would probably say that I think El Paso has a good schedule, but of course you can't take away the fact of um, San Antonio playing MLS teams for their tune-up. It's just none of the teams are really beating the major league soccer teams. So it's like, I don't, I, I just, for me, it's like, all that tells me is that you scheduled really tough competition and you weren't able to beat that competition. So where does that fare you against like the USL championship teams? Do you know what I mean? Like, has anything really changed? Like, how can you measure against that? Yeah, no, and I can see what you mean. And this, and I agree with you too, that El Paso kind of has like, you know, a good schedule. They play FC Juarez, but then again, they lost. So it's like, it, it's just playing teams that are above you. And they obviously have, you know, way better players, even though um, El Paso has two players that used to play from FC Juarez. It's just something that, you know, two players aren't going to make a difference for the whole 11 players on the field. It's just not going to happen. And with us, too, we played the Rapids. And I'm sure you remember the last time we played the Rapids in the Open Cup two years ago. But, you know, from the footage I've seen, it seemed that we were on par with them, even though we lost. And that's just something that you kind of have to take a look at, too, like, okay, you're playing these MLS teams and okay, you lost, but are you up to par with them? Like, are you getting on their level and making it difficult for them? Or are they scoring on you 5-0 and you just call it a day? Because, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just like that. And with San Antonio, I don't know what the scores are. But if they're getting beat like that, then there's no point in having a schedule like that because it just makes the other teams look at your schedule and seeing the score like, oh, well, they're going to be an easy team when in reality, who knows what the lineup is for the MLS team. Yeah, it's like you don't want you – want, you want as a fan, I think, to be excited about preseason matches because it's the first time that you really get to see – your team play. Um, but it's just like, they're not going a full a hundred percent and nothing really means anything. You know, it's not like, it's not like what, um, spring training could be for major league soccer for major league baseball. And, you know, how they have the games that they play against each other where, you know, where at least they're, playing for something i mean you know i i wish when united scheduled their preseason that they kind of surrounded it around a cup because at least they would be playing for something and i feel like as a fan you can get more into the fact that they're playing for something you know versus just kind of playing a couple of matches with a team that is also participating in a cup you know, and, and so 
again, as we kind of maneuver this preseason chat a little bit and we kind of shift over to Open Cup, I guess I just kind of remind you listeners that, you know, as we're trying to figure out where United stands currently and, you know, what things we're liking or what things are good, uh, you just have to keep kind of an open mind that, you know, right now it's just a lot of experimentation on formations and where players fit and ultimately like, you know, what systems are working and against what types of opponents. I mean, I would totally say that I think that whatever you're seeing on the pitch right now between El Paso and New Mexico will completely change by the time we hit May 8th. Yeah, and I do too. Right now, you know, preseason is all about the experimenting and and that's exactly what I think we're doing. We're experimenting and see who is going to get those minutes and who we could trust on the pitch. And right now, there are some players that I can look at and and say, you know, you're starting um, 11. And there's some players that I look at and I'm like, I'm, I could probably see you in the 18, but, you know, maybe not. And I, I just can't wait for the regular season to start because I'm super anxious to see what's going to happen. So as we kind of shift this conversation over to Open Cup, I'm just going to kind of catch, kind of do a quick summary of where we're at in all of the Open Cup. Um, they've basically, the latest is they have basically cut out the first round of teams, uh, making the Open Cup go from 24 eligible teams to 16 teams. Um, so the way the Open Cup will shape up is the top eight MLS teams as of three weeks of play will be selected to be the MLS teams that come in to the tournament. Four USL championship teams will be in it. It'll be Phoenix and El Paso, Tampa Bay Rowdies, and Loose City. One League One team, which will be Greenville Triumph, and one NISA team, which will be Detroit City FC. And then yesterday on the 7th, they actually drew uh, they did a blind draw uh, for two teams out of the amateur and, and League Two division. They came out with uh, Newton Pride from Connecticut and then FC Golden State Force um, as those teams. Now, currently where the Open Cup is, is that on April 19th, uh, they will decide if the tournament can still stay on. Um, personally, my opinion about it is that they created a suspense date of March 29th. And on that, on the 29th, they decided the first round was cut. So I'm wondering if they're doing all this work only to decide on the 19th that they're going to ultimately cancel the tournament or if they will, if they do keep it on is, you know, are they doing right by the tournament to keep it on? or by the teams to keep it on? Like, should they even be doing the Open Cup this year because of how they've wound it down to, like, just 16 teams? Or, you know, should they have just waited to next year? And I just I wanted to get your opinion on how they're doing the Open Cup and what you think about it. Um, I think they should have waited till next year. It's just not, you know, how they've been saying on Twitter, it's not a – it's not so open. And – 
you know, kind of cutting down teams and saying, oh, well, the winners from each group are automatically in for the USL. And I'm like, but El Paso lost against Ford Madison and we made it to Minnesota United. You know, how does that make sense? And it's just like, okay, we kind of made it farther than, than them. But yet you're still putting them in, probably knowing they're going to lose in the first round. And I'm just talking about our group there. But at the same time, it's, you know, probably because of COVID they made these guidelines. But it just still doesn't make sense. Now that things are opening back up, why aren't they opening it up to more teams? We get that the seasons are already delayed. So why not delay the Open Cup more? and actually make it fair for the rest of the teams who actually have a chance in making it farther than just sticking in teams because they won the group according to points. Right, yeah, and that's a notable thing too. I wish really that they based Open Cup on on the previous Open Cup, but they like basically went like, okay, let's take let's take the Eastern and Western final conference teams from this last like last season in 2020. And I just, it's kind of weird that they would be pulling in the runners up as teams. Like, I mean, if you're going to do a tournament based on the champions, you know, cause that's what I think they should have did. I feel like they should have just grabbed the Eastern and Western conference final champion, grabbed the NISA champion, the league one champion. So you got like four champions there. Right. And then, and then you, you don't necessarily, I mean, I, I, the Open Cup is probably more for the amateur teams to have a chance to, you know, get exposure and do really well against top level teams. Um, but if you weren't going to have those teams in the tournament, um, then maybe just use the top four MLS teams. You know, the one thing that I could say that's probably good about the 16 team uh, format right now, if they, if they stay with it, is that the MLS teams, enter at the same round as every other team. So you don't have MLS teams coming in in the second round where it's going to probably all be MLS teams by that round. It's it's a straight free-for-all. So maybe based on the way currently the CONCACAF Champions League is working, maybe it's possible that some USL championship teams can defeat some of these MLS teams and make the Open Cup very interesting. So, but to me, like I'm with United not being in the Open Cup, I'm probably more likely pulling for a NISA team or a lower division team to upset the rest of the teams because I think that would be interesting to watch. Yeah, it would be interesting to watch. And, you know, kind of bringing up other tournaments, look at the the UEFA Champions League. I mean, they're not pulling that. and The real Champions League? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, the, each of those teams in in the tournament have their own schedules and keep in mind they don't they don't travel like us where it's just the closest city to us or just in the US. They travel the world and they go from stadium to stadium in each country and yet they're working out fine. And the thing is, you know, we need the open cup to be open again because like this, it's just, it's not fair. 
Yeah, that's right. It's it's they're trying to obviously get back on on with tradition, right? For something that's been doing uh, going on for 107 years, but I just don't know how you can still kind of consider this um, the same as the previous years. Um, well, so since we're not in the Open Cup, I guess you know really the only interest I have is to see an upset. Or rather, a cup set. So I guess let's let's move into like what we're really here for, which is the regular season schedule that just dropped out, um, along with uh, you know the season on its way. And I know you wanted to kind of take us through this a little bit, right? Yeah. So um, our schedule just dropped, and we have our first game. Our so our first game is away. It is not home. It is on May 8th against El Paso Locomotive in El Paso. And I know some of you are kind of seeing for tickets and stuff like that. And I know right now you kind of have to be on a waiting list unless, you know, maybe the curse gets a block of tickets or something like that. They haven't really said anything, but I know it's just a waiting list right now. And they're kind of doing it how we are, you know, season ticket holders get first priority and then so on and so forth. But our first home opener is one second. I see what you, I see what you did there, Alicia. You you just left out RGV from on May 1st. You're like, ah, oh, forget oh, RGV. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> I you forgot just, about that. Yeah, actually. I guess you, you know, they don't have that Nature Valley sponsor anymore. Maybe that was the reason. I don't know. <laughs> the granola bar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but um, our first home match, which will be here at the lab, is against... I'm looking at my tickets. Hold on. Um, it's... Austin Bold, right? I think so. Yes, it's Austin Bold, May 15th on a saturday so you got did you get tickets for that yes i did so what what was that like because i also bought my tickets uh today as well and um and wave two right and it was definitely it seemed like the site was kind of slow for a good like i don't know five ten minutes before i turned off my wi-fi <laughs> yeah i saw a bunch of people kind of having issues but I didn't really have any issues. I did end up getting the tickets for the two games. And, you know, for the first, I, I think what kind of helped was that I did two separate transactions for each game instead of doing it all together, which I felt was kind of faster. So I just picked out my tickets. And let me tell you that if everything is so, like, it's weird now that you're buying tickets and like not every single seat is green because now you have to be kind of separated and then this and that and it's just and now you're buying it in you know in pods so it's in groups groups of two groups of four you and there are some individuals but those are super hard to find and you know you just kind of click on the map and click where you want to sit and you just look through the section to see if there's any green spots since they're only allowing i believe 3200 fans in the stadium yeah that's about right yeah and you know you kind of click on that and then you enter your email that the 
that it was sent to and you just check out and at first I was kind of freaking out thinking it was gonna sell out like the preseason games because I know uh, they kind of cap it at each wave so everyone has a chance to get the tickets and then you know for wave three that's when everything is open up and anyone can get to the tickets but you know I I personally do think it's fair that the way they're doing it and I like how they're capping it at each wave that way everyone has a chance to do it and some people are saying well why do season ticket holders get first priority but I mean they always did and it's just something that you kind of get used to like you see a season ticket holder and you're like oh well yeah they're season ticket holders they get this this and this because they pay for it and you know it just kind of makes sense to me because with seeing those people that actually pay for it or you know the ones that donated their seats that's that's awesome and they should get the first uh pick on that because they didn't have to donate their seats they could have easily rolled them over and it was just very selfish of them to do that so i i just think it, it is fair that the way they're doing it and also with just the one transaction i mean you can't just buy tickets and tickets and tickets or that's where it does get a bit unfair and right. you know maybe just have to wait it out for wave three because then you have those that are buying tickets for people that are not season ticket holder members and then that's when everyone starts getting upset so i just think it is fair about the way they're doing it yeah right and so kind of looking at the schedule we know that we've got 32 matches played over 27 weeks uh we've got 24 matches in our division and we've got eight that are like non-divisional games and i'm just curious to know um which non-division games are you looking forward to and um are there any of the away non-division games that you're trying to go to uh yes so for the away i am actually looking to go to phoenix and um el paso since those are the two closest to us but for the non-away i'm excited to one second let me pull up the schedule i'm mostly just interested in the eastern conference teams you know um we get to play charleston battery and then we also get to play oh i'm not eastern but i am excited for oakland roots gonna see ben and Sully, and also well there's another one and louisville city i've like been talking about them for a while now kind of upset we didn't get the rowdies but they're another eastern team that i kind of did want to face and i'm kind of glad we did get them yeah i'm really looking to get out to phoenix i mean that's just a match that we got to get i mean i'm still a little sour about how they came into our stadium even though it was a draw but they you know obviously got the supporter shield that night and they celebrated in our locker room and it was just ridiculous i can't tell you how many times i've watched the video of them doing that and um, so i'm really excited about getting out to phoenix i think that that's going to be a great match for both supporter groups really to kind of get behind the team 
and I'm interested to see really how well we play them this year versus last year. I know that, you know, they really just made a couple key mistakes and then it was like, that's all she wrote. But I would love to see how we fare up against them this year. Um, I'm also really interested in the Loose City match as well. Uh, personally, just because Loose City has found a way into the postseason every year. And I, they're obviously one of the juggernauts um, that are in the USL. Not to mention, I would like to bring back a bottle of bourbon. And I think that that's a, that is a goal. And I know a lot of people are trying to figure out if they're going to drive there or fly there and how they're going to bring back um, bottles of that stuff or just ship it back. But um, to me, like Lou City is definitely a must um, in their stadium. It's kind of funny because I was talking to um, a Lou City fan on Twitter and, and you might have seen this, I don't know, but he kind of made a comment like, oh, well, they're not going to win, so enjoy your trip. And I was like, Brett, I was like, you know, you might want to, I go, you never know how the curse is going to travel. You know, I said, because, you know, like they definitely moved a certain way in 2019. And he's like, he says, and this is probably just banter, but he's like, He's like, you're really stupid to think that these fans are going to travel all the way to Louisville um, to fill in the stadium, so to say. You know, he's like, maybe you might have a small amount. And I said, I said, yeah, I said, you don't realize that these fans have not had live soccer in their state for a full year, not to mention they could not even travel out to other matches to go see live soccer. Not to mention that you know, they they sold out a chartered flight to Minnesota for Open Cup. I said, so it is very possible that you'll see a good amount of fans in your stadium. Yeah, and I think so too. Um, you know, like you said, it's been a full year and everyone's just kind of, you know, dying to go out and see some soccer. And, you know, if I had that kind of money to just tr- travel and also – you know, have that permission from work and, you know, miss when I want it, I would definitely go. And I know there are some fans over there closer to the Louisville area that are, that are New Mexico United fans that are probably will travel down to. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see that. Right on. I think one of the things to point out too, that is a good thing for United fans is that 14 of the 16 away trips are on days like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So basically, you know, United fans, you didn't get stuck with a bad away schedule. Um, you know, for the most part, you can take some time off and and get to one of the matches. Um, I definitely do echo with you that I am looking forward to the El Paso matches. I think that, you know, it, this rivalry has been one that really grew through last season. And I'm excited that we'll be able to host El Paso as well. Um, So um, personally, you know, I think that that the El Paso matchup is going to be good. And I also think that the San Antonio matches should be pretty good. Yeah, I think that one should be pretty good too. Um, You know, like you said, El Paso, just a classic rival. 
That one is always good. And, you know, you could even feel the tension at the preseason game. So I can only imagine how it's going to be, you know, actual game time and everyone giving their 110%. Right on. Well, let's move into some listener questions as we get kind of towards the end of this podcast. Um, Harry, you know, one of our, our loyal listeners, um, he throws out this question. I know we kind of talked about it, but let's answer it anyways. He says, if you could go to one away match out of Lou City, Phoenix, or San Diego, which one would it be and why? Oh, man, I'm stuck between two. I'm stuck between San Diego and Louisville City. And I... And that's because I've always wanted to go to the East Coast. But then again, I've never been to San Diego, and I would love to go over there. You know, if I had to pick just one, I think it would probably be Lou City. It's just, you know, somewhere I've never been, and I probably won't kind of have the opportunity to go, I guess. So, And then San Diego is just easier to go to because it is just right here in California. I would... Oh man, that that is kind of. I think that Lou City would be one to go to because it's so far away, and I just think that, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to go to like San Antonio and to be able to to travel to like an LA Galaxy match just because I'm from out in Southern California. But I feel like Lou City would be like that would be like the ultimate soccer trip not to mention you can stop and kind of do the other things too i think they have like they have like a racetrack out there as well um not to mention like the the whole bourbon thing like i feel like there could be a good experience so i would have to say Lou city harry um carl uh he says or he asked what players need to step up for us to make it to and win the finals Oh, man. So kind of a tough question. But, oh, man, I don't I don't want to be mean. Um, <laughs> I think that it has to be Austin Yearwood. You know, kind of those mistakes last year cost us, I think it was like two or three own goals. And, you know... It's just him that I kind of nitpick at, and I feel so bad sometimes. But, you know, it is what it is when you're just analyzing the game. And I just think if we need to step it up, and it has to be in the back line, my opinion, it has to be Austin Yearwood. I'm going to also – I'm going to toss out Daniel Bruce. And, I, and really, I think he has to step up for us. And, I mean – I'm not talking about when he comes off the bench and he adds like some sort of energy into the game. Cause that's great. But I'm talking more, I think about just possession. So there are just a couple of really of matches last season where I think he just had some bad passes. And I think that those bad passes, you know, I definitely remember the San Antonio game, you know, some of them almost led to one V one opportunities against Cody Mizell. And I just think that, you know, Bruce has to be a little bit more concise about his passing because he does have the tendency to send these really long passes across the pitch. And I feel like there are a lot of players that have pace, and I feel like that's not something that's being taken into consider of. So I, I feel like 
With Bruce, it's going to be possession, and it's going to be not turning over the ball as easily, especially um, when you're playing balls back to, like, Kaylin or to Cody. Um, or in this case, Cody is obviously not with us anymore, but that's just – that was that experience. And then I also think um, – I think that we need a little bit more out of Amanda Moreno. And what I say about that is that I know Chris Weehan really kind of had to kickstart the attack last year, and then Amanda Moreno eventually found his legs, and then he kind of kept going. But, you know, one of the things that Amanda Moreno said um, earlier this year in the offseason was he said, I have a lot more to give. And I thought, what does that mean? Like, you have a lot more to give. Like, that you didn't give all of it before. Like, you played, you know, at a percentage that wasn't fully 100%. And, and maybe he did play with 100%. Maybe he feels he can exceed that. But for the fact of the matter is, we really need to see Amanda Moreno's best. And we really need for him to be able to kind of kickstart, um, you know, his his – abilities and and his scoring prowess we need that to be something that happens you know we 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 just can't really be a team that only averages one goal a game again and i'm not saying that it strictly has to come from amanda moreno but i really just think that everyone who shoots and everyone who scores really just needs to bring their a game and we really should have you know we should be like one of those teams like phoenix rising where we have three front men or three players that you know, are, are putting goals back and are also the assist leaders too. And I, I think that we just really haven't had any players that could double those numbers. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you there, you know, instead of, you, I'm sorry, you know, kind of have everyone kind of step it up to the table and, you know, kind of playing it simple too, because sometimes those little tricks that, they try to do you know it can be cool but at the same time it's just like maybe if you just played it simple that could have gone to the back of the net instead of you trying to do something fancy and that's where I feel like you know some of these players kind of do need to step it up and including our veterans they need to step it up too and especially with Bible um you know with Cody leaving it kind of puts him up front and I bet you he's nervous who's not gonna get nervous and, you know, when I talked about him warming up and kind of seeing how he kind of, like, not does it to his full potential, it seems like when he goes to his full potential, he can be great. And that is exactly what we need from him right now. Because right now, we don't really have a goalie to rely on. Right, yeah, we're definitely trying to figure out who's going to be our number one. Um, Mark Essenmacher asked this question and we talked a little bit about some of it but we can we can revisit it mark essenmacher says what are your thoughts about our new players a tough preseason schedule and going into our season opener with confidence will the tough preseason games hurt or help our confidence level for the season opener against rgb um you know, thoughts on our new players. I think that I feel good with them. I And, you know, kind of with the good part is that you feel comfortable because you know they're strong players. 
and you can see what they're doing and you're not kind of second guessing them how you would the past players and with the tough preseason schedule i mean it is tough and you know we can't have an easy one either because if we have an easy schedule and we're not trying our best it's probably how they're gonna feel in the actual season and that's what we don't need where we're just kind of half-assing it and you know again tying and losing games we shouldn't where we should win so I think it's the the tough preseason game is going to help our confidence level for the season opener and it's hopefully it just motivates them to do better and just keep scoring and scoring and scoring yeah, I would definitely uh, echo what you're saying with that. I, I think that the tough preseason schedule will ultimately kind of condition the guys um, to come out. Um, they will have seen enough scenarios to be able to um, really give their uh, USL competition um, some some strong looks. And we know that Troy is usually gauging how the season will look after the first 10 matches. So I think it's, it's a very, uh, it's very easy to say like that, you know, somewhere between the first five to 10 matches is probably when a good evaluation will start. Um, my thoughts on the new players, honestly, um, I'm stoked for new players. Of course, I'm a little partial to the players we lost just because I think that we were starting to see some, progress with our team. Um, I'm excited to see how Brian Brown and Ilya Illich will play. I really want to see them on the pitch together personally, um, but I feel like it is easier to say I think that Devin Sandoval will definitely have some solid minutes, so it will be really rare to see them both on the same pitch unless Devin is either sitting a game or you know, or is is out for some reason. So um, I'm really interested to see, like, if we can if we can put some points on the board as far as the new players are concerned. That's a good question, Mark. And then the last question, kind of a lighter one from Carl, which is, what is the best movie of all time? Geez, that's a hard one, actually. Um, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Chris, while I think about it. Best movie of all time. Okay, well, I mean, I think the best movie of all time is going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Dews. Um, I really love Ninja Turtles, and, and I thought that that movie was the coolest because, one, Vanilla Ice was up in that movie, and two, um, it was the first time that they were facing like some some enemies that were like that were like characters and from the cartoon characters it was Rocksteady and Bebop but from this movie it was Toka and Razor and I just remember that I thought it was super cool that they had some actual uh, super strength characters to fight against and also that there was Super Shredder um, in that movie where he swallowed the ooze and became this ridiculously buffed up version of himself and he destroyed the whole pier. And so I, I, I like I like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to have to go 
with one of my kind of all-time favorites, even as a child, and I still watch it to this day, is Matilda. It's really? this little girl who can, who has the telekinesis, and, you know, that's how she kind of messes with her family, because her family doesn't like her, and she's very attached to her teacher, and her teacher kind of grows that love for her, like, as if she was her mother, and then she gets locked in the the mean principal's house because they're trying to get something out of there. And then it's it's a really funny movie, and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Matilda, 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 right? <laughs> <laughs> right on. So uh, just the last couple of things uh, as we wrap this up, just a couple of PSAs. Uh, New Mexico United has teased that the third kit will be unveiled. Chapter 3, the new kit. And that it'll be unveiled at the Electric Playhouse on April 18th. Uh, they have tickets for sale. It's $5 a piece. Hopefully you bought them today because I'm pretty sure they're probably going to sell out if they already haven't sold out by now. Um, next, they announced the Academy games for the USL Academy. There's three games. The first one kicks off uh, this weekend in El Paso. And the following two are... The next two weekends um, at Mesa del Sol, I believe one is probably right before the FC Tucson match, and then the other one is probably right after is is the next week on the twenty fourth. So it's really cool that they're finally bringing out the academy games. It'll be interesting to see um, the academy team and how well they play, and you know, and and ultimately see like how the how the New Mexico United family supports that team. And uh, lastly, this weekend, there's the preseason match with Colorado Springs Switchbacks. So if you're going out to that, um, you know, here's another opportunity for you to see whether or not um, the scoring chemistry is there. You know, can United finally break open a preseason match and just put some, some balls in the net? So um, hopefully that will be what we see. Um, so just as and we wear wrap... sunscreen, please wear sunscreen. I regretted <laughs> not wearing sunscreen the first uh, home preseason game. <laughs> right on. And yeah, definitely wear some sunscreen. Um, I'll be out at the match. Probably won't be inside. Probably will be in the parking lot hanging out. So if you see me, um, I'll have some stickers and I'm sure I'll be giving them to you. You may or may not hear this podcast by that point, but if you don't, then hopefully you got a sticker and we made it good. So as we're wrapping up this episode, Alicia, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at exclusive underscore Alicia without the A in the front and on Facebook under Alicia Arias. Right on. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under by Chris Walker and also on Facebook under christopher m walker and so this is going to do it for us on episode 28 we tried to make sure it was very informative we shared some viewpoints some thoughts of course the conversation can always continue with you when you're listening to this episode feel free to tweet us on twitter at seek and strike nm let us know your thoughts on the episode if you're listening at Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and leave a episode review. 
please please subscribe and share this podcast and others with your soccer friends. Well, that's going to do it for us. For my co-host, Alicia, and myself, Chris Walker, we are Seek and Strike Podcast, and we are out of here. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Thank you.